Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, sports fans. Fill up that coffee cup and that bowl. Sit back and relax. Because live from Colorado, it's time for the sports offensive. Good morning out there, sports fans, and thank you for tuning in to the Sports Offensive. I'm your host, Mark Ademus. I am flying solo this morning. I'm not sure what happened to my uh, deadbeat co-host. I'm just kidding. JP is uh, going to be watching his beloved Penn State in the whiteout, and uh, Nate had to do inventory last night. And for anyone who's ever done inventory, uh, you know how brutal and how late those nights go. So uh, he needed to, to get his sleep uh, uh, you know, unlike my co-host, I don't actually have to work on Saturdays, so uh, that gives me a, a nice little advantage. I always want to let you know that it will really help us out if you want to go to Facebook and like us, go to Twitter and follow us. You can find us at both of them under the handle at the SPT Offensive. We're also on Instagram under the handle of the Sports Offensive with underscores between the words. You can head to our station website at thesportsoffensive.com. If you go there, you can learn about us and our other shows. You can listen to current and prior episodes of The Sports Offensive, The Alien Offensive, and uh, JoJo War Drummer Ways, Mr. Zilla Cross uh, program. You can catch us live via the Blog Talk radio player on our site. You can also check us out on demand at any time at Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, iHeart, Stitcher, and as an iTunes podcast. I did want to announce uh, on this show that this is uh, – I want to announce my retirement from the show. I will be staying on until the end of the year, but I've got some other projects I'd like to get to. I have some other uh, areas I'd like to explore on on podcasting and also uh, with the way the schedules all work out for everyone. The only way we can do these shows together is on these Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings, and uh, just – I basically haven't had my Saturday mornings free for about four years, and I'd like to – do some other things on Saturday mornings and be able to record programs at other times and then post them. And that's much easier when you're doing uh, solo shows for the most part. So um, not saying that I won't come by for occasional uh, insights and, uh, and visits to the program. I've had a great time these last four years and I really appreciate JP looking to me and giving me the opportunity to co-host the show with him. It's been uh, like I said, it's been a very fun experience and I've learned an unbelievable amount uh, that I plan to utilize going forward. So I just wanted to let everyone know that and uh, give plenty of uh, advance warning. I'm down to, I guess, probably about uh, 10 weeks or so uh, on the show. And then that also, I don't know if we're going to do shows on Thanksgiving and Christmas, obviously, when uh, when I'm going to be in California. So anyway, on to sports. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be here by my lonesome here. So if you do want to call in, I'd be happy to take any callers. Number here is 929-477-3204. Again, that number is 929-477-3204, and you can find all of our information at the sportsoffensive.com website. I do have a trivia question this morning. It's a little bit of a different one, uh, but it's, and I don't think it's a difficult one, although I'm not sure if there's a difference between the British and American versions of the dartboard. The question is, what is the number that lies between five and nine on the British dartboard? Again, I'm not sure what the differences are between the British and American dartboard. I've only ever kind of noticed one, and the only numbers I can really always remember is I think is 20 on the top. Um, so I would probably get this question wrong. That's kind of why I picked it. I like questions that I can't get. So if you have an answer to that question, again, you could call in and let me know, 929-477-3204. And the question again is what is the number that lies between five and nine on the British dartboard? I uh, did want to uh, quickly wade into, uh, while basketball hasn't really gotten started yet, uh, we're still in a bit of the preseason. Uh, you know, it was kind of interesting. I don't know if you saw yesterday, uh, JaVale McGee for the Lakers uh, mocked a cramp to get his defender to uh, actually um, uh, 
rotate out to the out uh, to the perimeter defense, and then he just turned around and came right back in, and he was fine and, and got a quick dish for an easy layup. So uh, interesting play. I don't know if that's good sportsmanship, but it was uh, entertaining as long as it doesn't happen a lot in this preseason. Uh, it was it, it's an entertaining thing to watch. So if you haven't seen it, I, I do recommend taking a peek at that. So, uh, but what I wanted to make sure I mentioned is Zion has hurt his knee. Now it looks like it's not massively serious, just like as with Patrick Mahomes. It uh, looks like he won't be out for an extended period, but it is very important uh, to mention because this is, you know, the reason that they were willing to trade Anthony Davis. This is the reason that they wanted that number one pick. He's kind of the most celebrated number one pick I can remember coming out since probably the LeBron James days um, in terms of the of a pre-hyped number one pick being uh, everything that uh, – you could hope for in a number one pick. I always thought it was interesting how some teams can get number one picks and not get great players or get great, get great players and still not be any good. Like the Pelicans weren't that good with Anthony Davis. Uh, The Cavaliers weren't good, even though they had gotten Kyrie Irving and then they got Wiggins and then they got whoever that number one pick was that year when they trade them all away to get Kevin Love. I mean, three number one picks traded away to get one player. just kind of shows you even when you hit uh, uh, you trade him away. Um, well, I'm sorry, they didn't trade away Kyrie Irving. They traded away, I think it was another draft pick. But anyway, long story short, Zion did injure his knee. He's going to miss, quote-unquote, weeks into the season. How many weeks, they didn't specify, and they probably aren't going to. They don't want anyone to know uh, the injury extent. It's a lot like in football. The, the more people know about the injuries you have, the easier it is to game plan against you. And uh, I think they're trying to avoid that as much as possible. So, Good luck to Zion. Hopefully he will get uh, healed. You never like to see a player get hurt. Um, great players, you want to be able to see them play, even if they're playing for a team you don't like, even if they're a player you don't particularly like. I was never a fan of Barry Bonds at all, partially because he was a giant, partially because he was a bit arrogant, and partially because he acted like uh, being an incredibly talented baseball player and superstar was a burden and not um, a gift. And I have trouble with that. Uh, just because personally to me, that seemed like that. I mean, not that it's, I don't think it's an easy job. I think you have to work very hard to be a professional athlete. It's a, a constant grind. But when you have that kind of natural ability, I don't think people understand what it's like to be someone who doesn't have that kind of natural ability. And I love sports. I've loved sports since I was a child and I've never been coordinated, never been able to run well. Um, I've never been able to run easy. I mean, even when I was trying to run as a daily thing for exercise, and I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the results of it, but it was difficult. Every step was difficult. Every step has always been difficult. I don't have a body made for running. I don't have athleticism. Um, the only reason I was even able to play baseball or softball was because I just played so much of it that I got to a point where I could hit the ball. Uh, but I still didn't hit the ball that well. So um, it's hard for me when I see someone who's got such amazing natural ability act like it's a burden uh, because so many of us, would give anything to have athletic ability. When I see people who are naturally athletic and they run and they glide and they just look like it's poetry in motion. And I think I would give anything to be able to do that. And I'll never be able to do that because I don't have that kind of a body. It just, my body isn't made to operate like that. So I guess I should be thankful that I got a pretty sharp brain that I was able to, I'm able to utilize. But again, I would pass, I would, I would trade that off for athletic ability. Even when you get injured, Having it, you know, is just an amazing thing. I will not say that I am have any problem with uh, football players who retire early. Just the people that treat having an amazing athleticism as a burden—that that's what bothers me. Like the guys who quit football early because they don't want to spend uh, the second half of their lives in constant pain. I totally get that. I mean, I've you know we've got some a lot of local ball players have stayed around here in Denver. It's a really great city and area to live, and. You know, some of them talk about the pain that they go through, a daily pain, just lots and lots of, of just copious amounts of pain in the back, in the neck, in the head, and the migraines and the contusions and the ribs that never really healed and all sorts of things like that. And, you know, I've got a couple of, of significant injuries over the years, and none of mine were as severe as some of the really bad ones you've seen on the field. And I have residual effects of them. I mean, my, I blew out one knee. My other knee will never be good because I've had to favor it so much over the few years when I was really hurt. And uh, so I completely understand that for uh, baseball or football players who quit 
That's why I didn't uh, chide Andrew Luck. I understood what he was like. I just, you know, it, it, it's not fun anymore. I'm just in pain. I'm just constantly in pain trying to to play. And that's not, no one would want to do that. That's not fun to do. It's not enjoyable to do. I don't know why he did it when he did it. I, I would have liked, I think it would have been more respectful not to do it then. Well, like Barry Sanders, Ricky Williams. I mean, when you quit on your team, so close to the start of the season, it's like, you know what? You can't play. You don't want to play. You don't want to be here. That's fine. You can make that decision. And I and most fans will always understand that you just don't want to play. You know, it, that it's just we all have gotten tired of jobs and quit them. But you don't quit a job right before the season starts. It's like quitting your job right before a quarterly business review. And you're the person that put together the slide deck and you're the person that put together the wording and you're the person that did the business analytics. And then someone else has to present it. And, you know, I'm a very good presenter and I can't tell you how brutal it is to try to present something someone else put together because it's not going to match your flow. It's not going to match your style. You're not going to be able to answer questions quickly that come up. Uh, You know, like I've always people who have, oftentimes are afraid of public speaking and I've always loved public speaking, but I know it's because I prepare very well and I, I write, I have my speech done out. I practice it multiple times. And so that I'm mostly just saying it from memory and just having a couple of little notes on cards and whatnot in case I lose my place, which doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. And you don't want to, you don't want to freeze up and do a Walt Disney uh, in the middle of a presentation. So the, um, again, I don't, I don't chide people who, who decide that they're going to be done, but just don't, don't quit on your team. Don't quit on your people, uh, your team in sports or your team at the office. Don't quit on people right before a major move. I've had that happen to me, you know, a, a, a superior quit right at the most, you know, a crucial point of time for the company. And um, I think that sometimes people do things like that to get leverage in the business world, in the football world. I don't know why they do it like that other than maybe they, try to convince themselves over all that time that they are fine, that they're going to get into it. Once the season starts, it'll be okay. Uh, once I'm getting constant therapy, the pain won't be as bad. Uh, I don't know what, what, I don't know what happens. You know, they just, you know, maybe they walk in that day and it's like, I don't want to take a hit. I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get smacked. I don't want to get, you know, driven into the ground. I don't want to get my head knocked off. I, I'm already in a lot of pain. I already am worried it's going to be there for the rest of my life and, and whatever it is. So I, I don't, you know, again, I don't know the machinations behind it. And uh, it doesn't seem like the players oftentimes regret it. You know, Charles, uh, oh, what was Megatron's name? Is it Charles, not Charles Rogers? What the hell was his name? Charles Johnson? Boy, I can't believe I've, I've already forgotten his name. He hadn't been gone very long. But anyway, Megatron from the Detroit Lions. Barry Sanders, you know, he's not had any regret over uh, stopping. And, of course, we always wonder, even though I don't think he'll ever admit it, um, but, you know, his idol, I believe, was Walter Payton. And I think he stopped right before he passed Walter Payton's yardage or something like that. So, um, you know, that, that could have been a big reason why he did it when he did it. But, again, give your team notice. You know, say, hey, guys, I'm not going to be here next year. If you need to draft someone to replace me, do it. If you need to sign someone to replace me, do it. If you need to groom someone to move into my spot, do it. No problem. No harm. No foul. It's all good. Just don't leave your team in a lurch. It's almost – because then it feels like you're saying, you know, you didn't give me the team I wanted around me, or I don't think you used me right, and so I'm going to try and screw you. Um, you know, vitriol doesn't do much. It doesn't doesn't lend anything good. Uh, it doesn't fix bridges. No reason to burn bridges unnecessarily. I guess if you're playing for Dan Snyder, maybe I understand it because that guy's just such a buffoon. I mean, he makes Jerry Jones look like a just a brilliant GM. But anyway, I uh, back to the very beginning of it, which is uh, was going back to Zion. Uh, I do hope that his injury is not long term. So again, uh, I am here solo. If you'd like to call in, feel free nine two nine four seven seven three two zero four nine two nine four seven seven three two zero four. We are going to run over quickly here the LCS in baseball. I'm going to, re, uh, going to check out the uh, minor league baseball reduction plan that is out there if you haven't heard about it. And I also want to review the Bronco debacle from Thursday. Uh, being here in Denver, of course, uh, the Broncos are big here. Uh, as much as they love other teams, uh, we've got a very good uh, hockey team going right now. I, the Avalanche are still – well, they're not – undefeated but i guess they kind of are in hockey terms because the only loss they have happened in overtime so they still get a point 
which I guess is not considered the same as a loss because of the fact that in hockey, you're not, you don't make the playoffs because of your record. You make it because of the number of points. And so overtime losses, you're making up a half of a win as opposed to getting just nothing like you do if you lose in uh, regulation time. So the Avalanche uh, are 5-0-1. I guess it's 5-0-0-1. I guess is how you say it. Uh, I apologize to any hockey fans out there if I'm not saying it right. I'm not a huge hockey aficionado. Grew up in California where hockey uh, was kind of like, oh, I think we have a team in L.A., <laughs> you know. And then eventually we did get that team in San Jose as well. Uh, you know, all props in the world to the Sharks. They've had a pretty decent franchise and great colors and cool uniforms and everything. And they're pretty big. They are a pretty big fan favorite out in California, at least when I left California. But uh, in school and things like that, it's just not really that cold enough in most areas of California to do that. You can go in the mountains anytime and get cold. And you could go up to Oregon to, you know, the Seventh Mountain, you know, go Bend, Oregon and Ashland, and you can ice skate there. You can ice skate up in Lake Tahoe, uh, Truckee, those areas. But in the big low line, the, the lower line areas, of course, you're not going to be able to do that. And I think that's why hockey uh, is not nearly as big for people that are from the West. And uh, so that's why I apologize if I ever sound ignorant discussing hockey. But I do know the Avalanche have got a great start to the season. They've got a nice first line again. They've brought in some more veterans. Hopefully they won't just be relying on that first line for most of the year. And the early returns are good as well as they, you know, they got, they got some guys from the camps last year that they just couldn't afford to keep them. Brought in some real crafty veterans. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm looking forward to watching hockey again, which I haven't done for about six or seven years out here because the Avalanche have been in such a lull that uh, I haven't really watched them. Of course, if you live in Denver, you know there's a big saga going on with the Altitude Sports Network. And this network is what uh, televises a majority of the Avalanche and Nuggets games, uh, both owned, of course, by uh, Walter Cronkite. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Stan Cronkite. Sorry, I was thinking of Walter Cronkite. Um, Stan Cronkite and his sons, they own those two teams. I think they also own the Arsenal, I believe it is, out over in, uh, over in the U.K. in the Premier League. And uh, they get a lot of flack a lot of times, but you know what, they've, they went through the lulls and Denver is kind of technically a smaller market. It's it's getting bigger all the time, but even in the Denver proper, it's really only about 780,000 people or so uh, based on the blast census. So I'm sure it's going to go up soon, but you know, it's just not, it's just not a huge city. I mean, we've got some nice uh, surrounding areas and some suburbs. Uh, Boulder's not that far away. Fort Collins is not, Fort Collins is not that far away. Colorado Springs and Pueblo, but None of these are other cities are very big. They're, you know, maybe, you know, if you got to 100,000, that would be pretty, pretty big for them, I think anyway. Um, so, you know, you're looking at, you know, just a few million kind of overall in the metro area and whatnot. So it's not that easy to get big dollars to sell out stadiums. It's why the Broncos have been such an impressive thing that they've had more uh, Super Bowl than losing seasons under Pat Bowen, who recently went to the Hall of Fame. They've been a beloved franchise and uh, the debacle that happened on Thursday is kind of a big deal. And uh, I want to get into that a little bit about why that's a big deal uh, as opposed to just, you know, some teams, are, you know, you just go through your lulls and whatnot. And then go, when you go back to the avalanche and the, and the nuggets with Kroenke, you know, they did have their down years. They had quite a few down years, but last year the avalanche looked quite good. Um, kind of expected them to go a little further in the playoffs, but uh, they did well. Uh, the Nuggets should have gone at least one more round in the playoffs, and it feel like they kind of got robbed. Uh, they kind of robbed themselves, but uh, you know they, they finally have gotten there. They, they, both teams are now looking good. Uh, coincides with the Rockies just cratering this year, uh, going from tying for the lead of the, uh, the division with the Dodgers and then losing the play or the uh, divisional game, uh, and then winning the wild card game to this year being one of the worst teams in baseball and, you know, most certainly the worst team in the NL West and the NLS was full of bad teams. I mean, you had the diamondbacks who were kind of, you know, just kind of falling off, especially when they lose Gronky or uh, Granky and they've lost, you know, Goldschmidt, you've got the giants who were an abject disaster early in the season. They actually picked things up fairly well going down the uh, second half and made it look more respectable, at least in terms of what they had done earlier. Uh, and the Padres, you know, that for a minute you thought they were uh, taking a big step forward, signed Machado, had, you know, three or four, you know, uh, emerging pitchers, and uh, pretty much nobody played well. 
and uh, they cratered after an early uh, decent start. And uh, the Dodgers won the division by 20 something games. And uh, out of all those bad teams, the Rockies were the worst one. The bullpen was horrible. The starting pitchers who had emerged last year were for the most part, terrible. Um, Marquez did all right, but you know, Freeland was a disaster. Gray actually kind of came around a little bit, but that was about it. The only bright spots were basically Gray's improvement and uh, Marquez kind of treading water. Everyone else in that pitching staff was terrible. There was some good hitting. There's always some good hitting in, in, with the Rockies, but the on-base percentage was bad and the runs were bad. And so to have all these things going on uh, with the with the sports teams that you know kind of more uh, captured the heart of the city here in Denver. It's nice to see the smaller sports in terms of hockey and basketball here uh, emer- emerging because you would hope that that would make it easier to maybe get some free agents at some point. Nuggets, of course, didn't add anybody in the offseason as they didn't have any money. They were pretty much maxed out, but we get Porter back, and Porter is the one that was drafted who was injured. He hasn't – I mean, he missed most like most of his last college season, missed almost – well, he did miss the entirety of his uh, rookie season, but he's now – uh, been playing he's been in there in the preseason he looks very good and if this guy can live up to potential if he can live up to 75 percent of potential of what people think he could be it's like adding a a pretty decently priced free agent so uh, hopefully the Nuggets will take another step forward like I said it looks like the Avalanche have, are taking a step forward so uh, good times ahead uh, here for Denver especially uh, considering what's happening to the Broncos so uh, we'll move into baseball for a moment so the Nationals swept the Cardinals swept them did not see that coming the Nationals may be uh, on a high from beating the Dodgers I mean that was a a terrific win for them it was a soul-crushing loss for Dodger fans like myself but what a a terrific I mean just great grit they just never quit that bullpen that had been terrible played just lights out uh, in the NLDS and in the NLCS they looked pretty good but the, the bullpen wasn't really the story because Anibal Sanchez, I think it was Anibal Sanchez. Um, I apologize if I'm thinking of the wrong pitcher, but threw a no hitter up through the eighth inning in game one, kind of set the tone. And when that guy goes out there and gives you that kind of performance and gets you a nice, easy win in game one with a shutout, then all of a sudden you've got, well, look who we've got coming down the pipe now. Uh, Scherzer, who's a multiple Cy Young award winner in Strasburg, uh, while he's never quite hit his potential level, he's, he's obviously one of the more dynamic pitchers in baseball and especially has some of the more dynamic out pitches, which he's been using to great effect in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I think these Nationals are going to have a shot in the World Series. At first, I didn't think they would. I didn't think whoever's going to make it was going to because I thought the Dodgers and the Braves were the two most competitive teams in the National League. But, you know, again, just mad props to the Nationals, props to their manager, props to the uh, to the team, to the GM. I mean, they built a strong team and they believed in themselves and they lost Bryce Harper and they, you know, and they got better. Um, and that's a, that's an interesting phenomenon when you lose a pitcher in, or a, a studly player and get better. And I don't know that, um, I think they also had a ton of bad luck in the last few years. They had so many injuries, Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, um, Zimmerman. Uh, I mean, just go down the list, man. So many injuries, so many injuries. And, they were able to uh, finally stay mostly healthy. And I think that was the reason, you know, you've got the team that she got and uh, the pitching, of course, staying healthy was a huge deal. Strasburg and, and Scherzer being around at least most of the year and, and, and in form uh, make a huge difference, a huge difference. I mean, you, you got those two lightning pitchers uh, can change your team and can, can get you a world series. I mean, you look at spawn and uh, was it spawn in Spain? Spawn in somebody. They say spawn in some, it's like Spain and pray for rain. The old, I think it was the senators that had them, um, which coincidentally, same city that the nationals play in, Um, you know, Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson, right? You've seen those two players, you know, those two pitchers back to back took the, took the diamondbacks to a few, few playoff runs and one world series win. So with the nationals having those two pitchers, I, I just think you know, if the bullpen can not get torched, I think they can do it. And I think the Nationals are probably rooting for the Astros um, to make the playoff or to make the World Series. And I know you're probably saying, why would you want it to be the Astros? They've got you know the Granke and Cole and Verlander trio, which is just, you know, how are you going to beat them? But, hey, I mean, the Dodgers had Kershaw and Bueller and Ryu and – and uh, Hill, and they lost. I mean, so it's, I, I don't think, I, I, pitching you can have, 
you can you can get a good game plan. You can maybe jump on them early. Um, you know, they've again they've got they've got their two dynamite starters, and they've got some other decent starters. You know, their two dynamite starters can go toe to toe, get you to the seventh inning. If you get a nice, you know, two run, three run home run, some timely hitting a bunt, you know, move Trey Turner over to be in second base to score on a hit. You know, you manufacture a few runs, and sometimes that's all you need in the World Series. Uh, you know, certainly some years that's not the case. Like when you had the Boston versus the Dodgers, there was so many runs being scored. The Dodgers in the Houston two years ago, so many runs, so many runs coming across the plate um, that it almost seemed like pitching was a, was an afterthought. But I don't think that would be the case in the Nationals versus the Astros in the World Series. Concur or um, convert. Um, what word am I trying to think of? Darn it. Um, conversely, I guess if the Yankees were to make it to the playoffs of the World Series, the Yankees they don't have necessarily dominating starting pitching, although don't sleep on their starting pitching. It's not bad. I mean, Paxton, I can't remember if Paxton was hurt. I'm sorry, but uh, I mean, I know they got Paxton. They've got uh, Tanaka. They've now got, uh, uh, what's his name? back? Um, Severino back. Uh, Sabathia, you know, is a crafty veteran who can give you a good game if you need one on game four. They've, they've, they've got pitching, but what would really be the scary thing for, I think, the Nationals is that basically every hitter in the Yankees lineup, from the leadoff hitter to the number nine hitter, every single one of them is an easy SWAT home run if they just get the bat on the ball. They've just got so much power from Stanton to, to Judge to Didi Gregorius to Sanchez to uh, LeMahieu even to – Gardner, to I mean, just whoever, I mean, Hicks, whoever you're going to bring up, they hit home runs, and they hit a lot of them, and you don't want that happening when you uh, are in a World Series game, because if you do get into those games that are kind of tight and close, there's nothing scarier than the team where every single batter can hit the home run. Of course, they have to be on. Most of the Dodgers lineup can hit home runs, and they just didn't, for the most part, against the Nationals, so I do feel like the Nationals would be better off facing the Astros, but you never know. You know, it, it, the hotter the team is you face, the the worse off you are. The one nice thing for the Nationals with the sweep is the Astros and Yankees are now going to game six. And they in this game six, the rumor is they're going to be using their bullpens instead of using starters. And so if that's the case, if they're only using their bullpens, you know, you're going to get to a point here now where the bullpen is going to be tired whoever goes to the world series and the nationals are going to have maybe have had a week um for their for their bullpen to rest and their pitchers to rest there's always that argument over rust uh, rest or rust right i mean is it too long of an off thing are they on a roll did they get hot and that's why they beat the dodgers and then beat you know then swept the nationals you know remember when the when the rockies did this here for our hometown denver and they you know go to the World Series against Boston, and they just kind of got crushed by Boston, but they'd had like 13 days off or something by after sweeping both of their series in the National League to get to the World Series. So it can work against you. You know, you, if you've got the feeling, if you've got the flow, if everything is moving and working and going, stopping it can can be a disaster. It can really uh, ruin things. Um, I do want to give a little bit of credit to Bryce Harper for not having any animosity or jealousy, you know, wishing them the best. Obviously, I think that uh, as a player, you're probably like, I, you know, your your contention or your um, your bad relationship with a team is with the team ownership, maybe the GM or the managers, things like that. It, it's not usually with the players, right? Usually <clears throat> the players are the people that you like. It's like, how many jobs have you had or have you known people to have and say, well, I love my job because I love the people I work with, but the, the pay sucks and the benefits suck and it's not a fun job or whatever, but I love my coworkers. I think that's the case in baseball probably. You, you, you're usually going to like your, your, your teammates. I mean, you're in, you're in a battle together. You're, you're in contrition together. So, um, you know, going into the Astros and Yankees game, I mean, at first this, this one looked like this might, one might be over quickly. The Yankees uh, just destroyed the Astros in the game one. I think it won like almost ten nothing or something. <clears throat> Excuse me. They uh they they just crushed it. But then the Astros have bounced right back and and won rattled off three wins in a row. They were up three one. Thought it was going to be over. Yankees were saved by I think it was Hicks that saved them in game five. Um, I think they also had a, a leadoff home run that <clears throat> helped to kind of set the tone for that match and uh, get them into game six. But again, game six we're going to go bullpens. 
I think Astros have the better bullpen. I, I, I just think they have, um, you know, I, well, I mean, maybe it, it's so hard to say because of course the, I mean, the Yankees have Ottavito and they have, uh, you know, Chapman and they have, um, oh, is it darn it? They have one other guy that, that's been pitching real well. And, but I just, I, I guess I feel like those players are all better with a lead. I think the Astros bullpen is full of players that are good in adversity, like dealing with, Hey, we're, we don't have the lead. We need to hold this team and not let them score another run and not extend this lead. And I think they're better at that. So I think the Astros actually have an advantage when it comes to the bullpen, even though if you were ahead, you'd say the Yankees have a better bullpen, right? Cause if you're ahead as the Yankees in, and you're going into inning seven, you're in real good shape. I mean, this team is a lot like the team from the 2000s where, you know, you had Wetland and then you had Mariano Rivera. And then um, I guess it was actually the other way around. And then I think Wetland retired and Rivera became the, the, you know, the closer and they had Norm Charlton and they had, uh, I can't remember who else they had, but you know, it was just, it was like a slam in the door. Like if you got to the seventh inning and they were ahead, it was like, okay, game over. Just look to the next game because these pitchers are just going to dominate you. And, uh, should be nice if the Dodgers could have had somebody like that. Um, so I, 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 I apologize. I'm not certain if they played tonight. Let me take a look at that real quick and see if the game is tonight uh, for the Yankees and the Astros. You'd like to kind of see this thing get wrapped up, but since that was, they played last night. So I'm guessing they've got today off. They're probably going to be going to no, take it back. They play today. Uh, let's see. They play at six Oh eight mountain time. So eight o'clock eastern man why do they do that why do you do that to the fans man who wants to have to sit at home at 8 p.m to start watching the game especially on a saturday night what if you want to go do something uh i guess you could say in new york i mean the, the whole city is pretty much a yankee fan so you everywhere you go is gonna is gonna be going but uh i don't know um you know i'm seeing a little a little highlight here i guess sabathia Oh, he got removed from the roster, and they added a and they added a reliever. So I take back what I was saying about Sabathia. Sabathia wouldn't be available because he got hurt, and they uh, they've taken him out of the roster. He's not eligible for the World Series. I don't know what those rules are. I, I should get more versed in those. I don't like whatever the rule is. I, I that's just stupid. Whoever you should be able to put whoever you want on your roster from your team. Even if it's a minor leaguer who didn't play in any of the previous series, you want to bring him up for the world series. Why shouldn't you be able to, why shouldn't you be able to start whoever you want? It's your team. Uh, That's a stupid rule. Whatever the rule is. I don't even know what the rule is, but I know there are rules about restricting who's eligible to be on there. Nah, that's just stupid. It's one of those things about baseball that you just, you just scratch your head at and you're like, they've done so many things right in the last 20 years finally got interleague play, finally expanded the divisions, finally expanded the playoffs. I mean, they did what they should have done decades ago. Uh, and you got all the purists, you know, whining and crying, which is just, it just, just annoys me because it's like, come on, you guys, adapt or die. You know what? That's what, that's what uh, they were saying in Moneyball, right? Adapt or die. So anyway, uh, so I guess Sabathia wouldn't be eligible. So that's interesting. Um, let's see here. Uh, you know what? We are actually at the halfway point of the show. Boy, that went quick. So uh, just real quick again, so the question we had for the trivia was, what is the number lying in between 5 and 9 on the British dartboard? Again, what number lies between 5 and 9 on the British dartboard? Give you one moment to think about that. I'm going to take a quick sip of a beverage. All right, your final Jeopardy time is up. The number is 12. 12. Again, I don't know if that's a different number than on the American dartboard, but uh, hey, a little something for you to look up on Google uh, if you get bored. So let's go ahead and move on to the possible contraction in the minor leagues. Now, this has not gotten a ton of press. Uh, Probably will get more, I would think, after the World Series ends. But then again, I just don't know that many people listen or pay attention to minor league baseball. But I will say that I love minor league baseball. I've been to quite a few games in quite a few different cities, and uh, it's a very fun feeling, man. It, 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 it's, it's back to baseball at its purity level. It's like, I guess you would say, like kind of like watching college basketball. Uh, you're watching, you know, players who are trying really hard to get somewhere. They're they're on the cusp possibly of greatness. Very interesting to to go to those games. 
great family atmosphere, great prices. You know, like the tickets are not expensive. The parking isn't crazy. The beverages and stuff, at least the ones I've been to, like the one I've been to the most was the Medford A's. Uh, I assume they still have the Medford A's. Um, that's up in Oregon. And uh, so much fun to go to those games. I mean, you could you could walk around. There was plenty of stuff to do, you know, out in the stadium, the little, you know, little games and things like that. So, you know, if your kids kind of got bored for a little bit, wanted to go out there. And But, you know, nice open atmosphere. It's not like a stadium. It's more like a field. Uh, so very open, very, you know, like I said, just very friendly, very low stress. I mean, for the for the fans, for the people watching, you know, it's a, it's a nice experience. And what they're kind of looking to do, and some of these things really make a lot of sense to me, but I can see how if you're one of the cities that would lose a team, uh, it probably wouldn't feel so good. They're looking to eliminate about 40 teams. And that technically, you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, major league teams have the minor league teams that like are part of their farm system and whatnot but they i mean and, and they have the right to con uh purchase the contracts from a minor league team at any point in time and i'm not sure if i know all of the ma- machinations of the process i certainly uh don't maybe maybe at some point here uh before the end of the year we can get kurt landis back on the gm for the lehigh valley iron pigs i'd love to have him maybe break down for us kind of how that part works if he knows and because uh, i'd like to know but Either way, they want to eliminate about 40 teams from the contract. And the contract is actually called the Professional Baseball Agreement. It's between the Major League Baseball and the Minor League Affiliates. So they are actually independent in some ways. Um, I'm sure this is more basically contractual language and whatnot, but I, they are separate. They are not, they are not well, wholly owned subsidiaries, I guess. And uh, they want to get rid of 40 teams and – I guess they want to kind of consolidate for a couple of reasons. Number one is they actually said they want to give them a, a, they want to raise the pay rate for minor leaguers, which the difference between what you get paid in all the levels of the minor leagues and the major leagues is just staggering. I mean, if you are a career minor league player and you do it for, you know, 15 years trying to make it to the bigs, you're not getting paid very well. I don't even think the best players in AAA get paid very much unless of course you were drafted in a first or second round or something like that, and you get a big signing bonus and contract because they expect you to join the major league team in short order, right? But unless uh, uh, saving that, you're not going to get paid all that well. So they're saying they're going to eliminate those 40 teams, and that's going to reduce a number of players, of course. I mean, you got probably, what, 20 players, 25 players on on, on all those rosters, if not a few more. They're all going to be out of a job, uh, or at least the bad ones are going to be out of a job. And uh, but what it does is it, it, it shrinks the pool of players. and Now they can spend more on the players and they wanted to give them a raise. That's what they say anyway. I mean, it's, it's always hard to trust business when it comes to saying that, oh, we want to do something to, to help out the, you know, the players or the workers. I mean, usually it's to help themselves and then they claim that it helps the workers. But uh, supposedly they would give a nice raise in overall wage and, my, and minimum wages that they have in the minor league baseball. They want to reduce the draft to 25 rounds from 40. Um, I get there's not always 40 rounds in baseball. Actually, kind of the it keeps going until people don't make up, don't make picks anymore. So you can get to like a round where there's only like six teams left that are actually still picking players. But uh, some teams have to fill out their rosters for for the minor leagues. And so by reducing the number of teams that each franchise has, you wouldn't have to draft as nearly as many players. And again, that's going to reduce your costs in terms of overall players you have to to pay for which would then of course give you the chance to use that money to raise the wages for the other minor leaguers the other thing is they wanted to realign leagues to make them geographical so basically be like okay you know all these teams that play each other are in the northwest and all these teams are in the southwest and all these teams are in the whatever um i mean you already have the pacific coast league which is kind of like that but i think they want to even shrink those things down even more than the pacific coast league because they want to make it really cheap for travel and short travel days. I think that would help players um, help players out. They wouldn't have to spend as much time away from home. Uh, you know, long travel days are not – no one likes long travel days. And in the minor leagues, oftentimes you're taking buses and not planes. So uh, this would, you know, make life a lot – probably I'm, I'm guessing make life a lot more enjoyable for those minor league players, especially those career guys. So anyway, that's uh, – they're in ongoing discussions. It hasn't been finalized. It hasn't been decided. But uh, that is coming up. So uh, if you are a baseball fan, you know, it's worth keeping an eye on to see how it's going to change things. And especially if you've got a local team 
to make sure you're not going to lose your team because that could happen. 40 teams are going to be eliminated and they're not going to all be uh, single A teams. What they're going to do is they're going to just kind of do it by, I think they're going to do it by geography and they're going to basically realign and say, okay, now you're now a, you're now a double A affiliate, not a triple A, or you're, you were single A, now you're triple A affiliate. And you just kind of, you would change your players and ship your players to the other teams and and reorganize your rosters uh, to do that. So we'll see if that comes up. I think they said they wanted to kind of get it figured out around, around new year or something like that. That was kind of their hope. So uh, never know if it'll happen when they want to, but uh, that's kind of the plan. So, uh, Again, we're, I'm only doing an hour show today since I'm flying solo, so we're down to about 20 minutes already. It just flies by when you're having fun, and I'm sure the time has flown by for you as you listen to my soothing, sexy voice here coming over across, across the pod wave or the pod, uh, the pod airwaves. I guess you say the podcast airwaves. Uh, we're going to move on to the Bronco game, which I've already stated was a debacle, and it was a debacle of epic proportions. I mean, what happened? What was that? Uh, it's just the the shades of Vance Joseph teams is what you feel. Uh, you know, when Vance Joseph was here, felt like every game you watched, it was like, did you have a game plan? Did you practice at all? Did you did you actually have a a, a, a theory or a you know, plan for the game at all? Didn't seem like there ever was one. It was like. Well, hopefully uh, these plays work. They're not imaginative, and we're not going to do anything interesting or tricky. Uh, I guess you could say that that wasn't the case in this game. The Broncos did try to get a little, a little, you know, tricky and squirrely, uh, but it didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, the first Broncos have a fantastic opening drive. They run the ball well. They pass the ball well. Everything looked like it was going well. Looked like you were playing the twentieth or twenty-eighth ranked pass defense in the Chiefs, right? I mean, the Chiefs they can score crazy on you, but they are not going to uh, stop you from scoring in, in most games. I mean, they just give up buku runs and points, excuse me. So they have that first drive and it looks fantastic. Everything looks great. Now they kick the extra point and there's a uh, offsides call on the defense of the chiefs. And so Broncos say, Oh, now we're on the one yard line. Screw it. We're going to go for two point conversion was not a good play call. I just it, it drives me crazy on two point conversions when you see them run a play that limits their options. You know, if you've got a strong line and, 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 and with somebody that you can run behind, like a, a prototypical left tackle, left guard, somebody who's just a mauler, you know, like a Quentin Nelson, uh, Joe Thomas back in the day. You know, then you can run up the middle, run up the edge, uh, and just try and just you know, get that one yard, get that just a little bit of push. So all you need is a little bit of push. But when you have what everyone knows is a terrible offensive line, to call a play like that just kind of blows your mind. You would think you would want to do a much more, give yourself some options. But then you get the problem is you got Joe Flacco back there, and we're going to get more into Flacco here. Flacco, if you had listened to this program before the Broncos signed Flacco, I was never shy about thinking he was garbage. I think he had a seven-game stretch uh, in the end of the year the year they went to that Super Bowl, they should have lost to the Broncos in the playoffs. It was just a ridiculously bad play on the ball by Moore that let them get that extra touchdown, that deep touchdown. It was just ridiculous. And and, and then they, they rode that all the way to a Super Bowl title, and they weren't a good team. But they had a couple of players on defense that were on their swan songs and, and playing with a lot of heart. Um, they had some belief after that one crazy play against the Broncos. And Flacco had the only stretch of his career where he looked like an NFL-level quarterback. He parlayed that into a huge contract, which he never lived up to because he's just not that good of a quarterback. But you got a World Series or you got a Super Bowl ring on your resume. You're going to be able to argue that you deserve something, and he did. And props to him for getting the money. I just I thought it was amazing that they fell for it. You know, they bring him here to Denver. Uh, you're thinking, well, Simeon just obviously didn't have it. Uh, we got to do something. Then you're on Chase. Chase didn't have it. So then get rid of Chase. Now bringing in Flacco. Another guy who just, just doesn't have it. I mean, it's just they're, they're trying to put these Band-Aids on things. And, you know, we hope that this means that uh, they'll be putting in Drew Locke as soon as he is off the uh, IL and get him in there, get him some experience, get him some, get him some reps to prepare for next year. Hopefully he can do it next year. 
I know there was some speculation, and maybe there still is, that Flacco was not just for a one year. They were thinking of him as a two to three year uh, stopgap. And while they got well, they brought uh, Locke along slowly, just he can't do it. You, you can't keep him out there. You, sh- you, you in fact, I'm not sure he should play another snap. And the the fact of the matter is this: there's two things that are wrong with Flacco. Number one is he, he's not a good he's not a good quarterback in terms of um, diagnosing. He doesn't throw good balls. Most of the deep passes that they did connect on, uh, Cortland Sutton deserves a ton of props. He's an amazing receiver. He's going to be an absolute stud receiver at some point. And he was the reason that most of those completions even happened because he made adjustments. He boxed out. He got position. The throws were terrible. The throws were not good. The throws should have been probably intercepted if it was a, a not a good receiver using good skills on boxing out. It probably would have. Uh, had some interceptions. In fact, I think probably one of them probably was going to be an interception. The defender just screwed up. So, I mean, uh, the, he's not, can't, he can't, doesn't make good diagnose. He doesn't diagnose the, the defense very well. He does not throw a good, accurate pass, especially deep ones. And when he gets hit, you know, that first drive, they didn't give up a sack. And I've noticed with Flacco in a couple other games, but it was a hundred times more um, definite this time than it was in any other game. And that was, he took the heavy, hard sack. He got smacked hard. Soon as that happened, the guy could not focus. He could not play anymore. He, he becomes a deer in the headlights and he has that look like, uh, Oh my God, I've got to uh, get rid of this ball in less than a quarter of a second. So I don't take a hit and he's not mobile. He can't run. He can't move. He's got no moves at all. Uh, he's like Vinny Testaverde used to be. You know, he's just he's just a statue back there, like Eli Manning had become. You know, and it's like if you are that way, you're in trouble, man. Because even if you have a good offensive line, people are going to get through. I mean, you can't. I mean, otherwise you're going to have to hold all the time if you're going to try and stop people from getting through. And then when they get through, it can cause you to have to move around to avoid those hits. And Flacco can't move. He can't move. And you had a Kansas City team, a defense that is not good, that has gotten pretty much given up some pretty poor totals in terms of yards and points over the last couple of seasons. And they were getting a lot of pressure on Flacco. Now, again, you go back to the fact that the Broncos offensive line is still a somewhat of a disaster. Um, but uh, you've got to get Flacco out of there. He's, he's done. And I'm not that part of it. The, the deer in the headlights, the afraid, uh, the hearing the footsteps, He's not alone, and I, that part is not necessarily his fault because I feel like Chick Case, Chena, uh, Case Keenum and Trevor Simeon both displayed the exact same problem. They just – once they got hit, and they got hit hard because of the fact that the, the line just didn't slow these good pass rushers down, and so they just got took big hits. And both of them seemed like they could handle more hits before they kind of did what Flacco does after one hit. But they all kind of did the same thing, which is – if I don't, my first option after the half a second to a second isn't open and ready, then I'm just throwing the ball away because I don't want to get hit, you know. And if I wait an extra, you know, one extra second, there's a good chance I'm going to make a fumble or whatever because I'm going to get hit and I'm going to get swatted and stuff like that. So I, I, I know that part is not 100% his fault, but he can't take advantage of the times when things are good. He can't take advantage when times are good. So he certainly can't take advantage when times are bad. And and that's evident. And you might as well just get him out of there. There, he's not good. The offense has not been good for years. Uh, it's certainly not any good with him. And he's starting to lose the team. I mean, I know you know Philip Lindsay was upset uh, about the way that he kind of set him up to get smacked uh, in you know late in, in garbage time. Uh, just you know, and I, I, the Broncos backup you know is not good. <laughs> it's just kind of a joke backup while they're waiting for Drew Locke to heal. So I don't know what you do next week, but. Uh, Man, I think I think Locke maybe the week after he can come out, get him out there, just let him let him play. I mean, he can t- he's young, he can take some hits, and uh, I don't know, just get try and get creative. I mean, that that fake punt they do, you know, you're tied seven to seven with the Chiefs, one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Mahomes is still in the game at that point. You're on your side of the field, and you've got a a running back or a, a punter going for a run for a fake, and it's like. Man, I just never see the ones where you snap it to the punter and they run and it works. You know, you, you, you snap it to the, like, you know, one of the blockers. 
who's up short, and then they try and take it. But you do it to the punter, man, that's like 10 yards just to get back to the line of scrimmage, let alone get the yards you need to get a first down. And uh just wasn't a well-designed play because there was no blockers out there at all. It was just kind of a disaster. So uh, everything looked like a disaster, and I, I don't want to you know, collapse on Fangio yet. It did look like in the last couple of games they won, and then the two games before that they they – they they should have beat the Bears and they really could have beaten them. I think it was it was the Colts or the Packers. Um, who was it? Was it I think it was the Packers? And it was a game that they another game they really probably should have won, if not for some just collapsing at the very end. Um, so you know they could have been four and two going into this game. Could have been a game to almost salt away first place in the division. And uh, Mahomes goes out, gets his knee injury, which turns out is not as bad as we all kind of thought it was going to be. It looked like it could be a season ender. Now they're saying, you know, that the, the structural damage is not that bad. He could be back in three to four weeks. We'll see. I mean, he's young, so young players tend to bounce back quicker. But don't get too, don't get too certain uh, when he'll be back because knees are weird things, and you got to make cuts laterally. Things can happen. So anyway, but you know, good news for him and for the Chiefs fans uh, that is not looking like he's like a, a long-term injury. Uh, another thing I think we need to bring up here before we run out of time is the line. So first of all, Garrett Bolt, it's it's over. Just you gotta do, gotta do something. Move him to guard. Move him to right tackle. I don't know. Get him out of that left tackle. The guy is just a walking penalty machine. He just all the time he gets penalties, and uh, just it kills momentum. Every time you've got a good run, a good pass, you get excited. You're like, oh, here we go. The offense is gonna. Here we go. Now we're getting going. Pistons are starting to, uh, you know fire on all cylinders and then oh no bring it back because you got a holding call so now not only did you not get the first down but you've added 10 yards <laughs> to your to your down and distance and and that's just a killer and he keeps doing it he keeps 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 doing it so uh it's time to get him out it it's it, it was this, this is the fourth of the fifth year and he just he's not getting any better he's not a football player he's he's got some talent in terms of athleticism and some strength and size he looks the part. He doesn't have. He's not in the head. He's not. He's not a football player. He's just not. He just doesn't get football, and it's a shame that they wasted a first round pick on him. But you know what? You had to give it a shot. You didn't have anybody. You tried. See what happens. You, you, know, you get rid of him now, and you're going to get an early pick, probably this coming up season. Left tackle. I hope there's a good one out there. If not, it's another lineman take him because it leads to the last part about the Bronco debacle we got to talk about, and that is. You know, I, I've defended John Elway a lot. Um, I think that people don't give enough credit for the championship team he built. And a lot of times people are saying, well, it was just because he got Peyton Manning and that let him just focus, you know, because Peyton could be a one-man wrecking crew and turn even a, a semi-good offense into a, a great offense, which he did that first year, not so much the second year and certainly not the third year or fourth year, whatever it was. But anyways, I mean, the year they won the, World, the Super Bowl, you know, Manning was terrible. And uh, he was terrible in the Super Bowl, but the the defense was was just lights out. And you know, but see, he built that defense. He did do that, and I don't think people give him enough credit for that. They like to try and you know say, oh, it was the people that came before him, and, and I'm sure part of that is true. And yes, they they've screwed up the quarterback thing, but I think that that is not given the requisite study it needs, and that is they. Kubiak made a mistake in yanking out Oswell and putting Peyton back in at the end of that season. Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't good to have Peyton in there in those playoff games to have that steady hand, that that knowledgeable guy, that veteran, that that presence. I'm sure that helped. But he they, he didn't play well. I mean, it was the defense that kept winning those games. I mean, Tom Brady and the Patriots went down in the, in the AFC Championship to them because the defense was just brutal. I mean, Vaughn was all over him. Uh, Vaughn was just a one-man wrecking crew that entire playoff run. So, um, anyway, I, I think what happened is they took him out. He felt scorned. And he left. And I know you're saying, well, he just retired, you know, just a couple of days ago and he's made $60 million in his career and he, you know, hasn't had that many wins and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? I think it all got derailed because he went to a team he shouldn't have played for and a system he shouldn't have played for, for a bad coach, you no know, Brian down in Texas or Houston. And, you know, it's, he would have been okay. I think if he had stayed here, I think he was made for Kubiak's system. I think he would have fit in well. And when they lost him, it was like that was the whole plan. It was like you got Peyton, and we're going to transition to Brock, and that's how we're going to do things. And then they were caught, you know, with their panties down. They just they didn't have a backup plan. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, it was seventh round draft pick. Oh, now we're going to move up in the draft and take a guy who's a project. And 
you know, the one thing that you could say about the Broncos and not get any pushback is that they are not the best at developing offensive talent and certainly not quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure why they've had so much trouble with that because with Kubiak and Elway, you would think they would be, you know, they would have some idea of how to do that, but they just don't seem very good at that. Um, of course, again, I understand the offensive line is just an, an absolute disaster. And, uh, but again, that, that moving to our, the, the third point that I want to make, and that is with the GMing from Elway. And I, I don't think Elway should be fired. I still think that he has got, I think that they've, I, I think he needs, uh, I just think he deserves more time. I, you, you win the Super Bowl. It's like with uh, in uh, what was it Red Sox? They fire the manager or the GM, or the GM. You know, the year after they win the World Series. I'm sorry, that's 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 bush league. No, that's bush league. You, you know, that's that's like saying, hey, you know, uh, our business didn't hit thirty uh, percent uh, ROI on everything this quarter, so we're firing the CEO. No, you know, that's just stupid. You know, you're not thinking clearly. You're 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 reacting emotionally. But what did happen this off season, and this is the concern, they you know didn't have a lot of money to spend. And they have so much money wrapped up in receivers and whatnot. Uh, so what did they decide to do with their money? They went after McClanahan, the uh, or Callahan, the uh, cornerback from the Bears, who had been with uh, um, Fangio, but he was not. He's not played. He's he's been hurt the whole time, and I think they thought he was going to be okay, and he's not. Uh, and so they haven't had him on the field. And then they, they signed uh, Juan James, the right tackle, most expensive contract for a right tackle in NFL history. Bring him over. You're thinking, wow, Miami must really be tanking or, or, or giving up this year because they let him go. And, you know, it was a good lineman for him. They did the same thing with Tunsil. But uh, now we're, starting, we're, we're kind of realizing why they let him go. And it's that, you know, they had a bit of a reputation as a, uh, as a glass player, uh, you know, very delicate, uh, gets hurt early, easily, gets, goes down easily, won't play if he's got some minor ailment, and that's what's happened. He does not hit the field at all if he's got any kind of an injury. He's just done, and they've been without him for a lot of games, and they, they needed it. That was a big deal for the offensive line. That was the one big piece they were bringing in to try and help things along with getting Munchak in to be the coach for the offensive line. So, you know, you look at the two – big off season acquisitions and basically neither one of them are playing. And I think right there, that shows, I think that shows what the problem kind of that the Broncos have. And that is they they're grasping at straws too much rather than saying, I, I think maybe they, they really needed to say at one point, all right, we just don't have the, the, the necessary talent. We need to blow it up. And I think they waited too long because now if you blow it up, you're not getting as much for Vaughn as you would have at the beginning of the year. You're not going to get nearly as much as you would have gotten for Sanders as you could have at the beginning of the year. Chris Harris Jr., you're not getting that much. Derek Wolf. I mean, they've all reduced their prices because the team's played so bad and everything. And, man, if you're stuck getting, you know, just, uh, you know, if, if you only get one first-round pick for Vaughn and don't get a first-round pick for any of those other guys, you, you just you, you, you lost your shot. You know I mean? You could have traded them all away and gotten – uh, gotten a lot of stuff if you'd done it like it, you know, like two years ago or so. But uh, you know, can't cry over spilled milk. That time is over. But you know, should they should they blow up the team? Probably. You should probably trade away uh, Vaughn, even though I'd hate to see him go. Uh, Bradley's done for the year. We'll get him back, you know, at the, the next season. Uh, Chris Harris. I mean, uh, he, he's played very well this year, but he's. I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Broncos. So, uh, and they probably couldn't afford him if he would. So might as well trade him away. Same thing with Derek Wolf. He's not going to be re-signed. Uh, trade away whatever you can trade away, whatever somebody wants, you know, keep your young guy, keep Sutton, uh, keep uh, Lindsay and, uh, and probably keep uh, um, uh, Freeman, uh, you know, keep, keep kind of the young talent that you've got and, and let the rest of it go and, and trade away anything you can that's got good value and start over. And you know what? Start with the lines, defensive and offensive lines. I mean, just put everything into those until they're fixed. Because until you until you fix those two things, that that you're just not going to compete. And you know, if you give me a team that's got a dominating offensive line, and you got me a team that's got a uh, voracious uh, quarterback attacking defensive line, you know what? I can get away with the uh, substandard players and the rest of the positions, and I can still win as a coach. I could still win if my quarterback has time. My receivers are going to get open eventually. If my offensive line is strong, can open holes, my running back's going to get yards. And I mean, have you, when's the last time you saw the Broncos line push the way like Dallas does or, or Eagles do or Bills even? I mean, they push the line forward two yards 
And so they're running back. By the time he gets to the line, he's already got good momentum going, and he can push forward for the Broncos for the number of years, as impressive as Philip Lindsay did last year uh, and has done this year, really, overall. Uh, you know, it, it, it's all him. He's, it, the line is not opening holes. The line is not getting a push. He's getting hit in the backfield. It's just it's not working. And, uh, you know, he gets a strong defensive line, and we've seen with Tom Brady. If he gets pressured, even Tom Brady makes mistakes. So that's what the that's what the focus is going to have to be. They're going to re, need to re, rebuild this team. Uh, you've got a possible quarterback for your future. We'll, we'll see, of course, if he's that good. Uh, Sutton is going to be a dynamic player. Do not trade him away. And uh, keep Lindsey as a running back. Uh, there you go. You've got your little foundation of skill players on offense, and then just spend everything you can on the offensive line. Again, I mean, we hope Noah Fant comes around, but boy, he has not looked that good. He's I'm hoping it's a learning curve and, you know, rookie tight ends often have trouble, but uh, that's, that's looking, he's looking not so good so far, but uh, it just, just a lot of times he's just dropping passes. He's not getting open when he should, he's not making the right cuts, but uh, you know, it's his rookie season. We'll give him, we'll give him a little bit of time. So, all right, everyone. Well, that's hitting about the hour point here. Uh, So I'm going to sign off. I do appreciate any of you that listened uh, to me rattle on aimlessly for about an hour and one minute. Hope I was entertaining for you and gave you a little something to do on your Saturday morning as you're drinking your cup of coffee, watching the sun rise on a what looks to be a beautiful Saturday. The skies are clear, bright and blue, sun is shining, and the temperatures are going to be in the 70s. So it should be a fantastic day. Hope you enjoy college football today and enjoy uh, possibly watching the ALCS this evening. And uh, enjoy tomorrow since you don't have to sit at home and watch the Broncos. So Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Have a fantastic rest of the weekend. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.